Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Nathan Crankfield, the host of the Seeking Excellence podcast. Very excited to share this episode with you today. So for today's episode, we have a very, very special person to me uh, that's going to be joining me. And we have a great, great conversation. It's actually part one of two, which might turn into three or four parts of a conversation that Emily Harpole and I had uh, about a month ago. And so I'm very excited to share these with you. Um, But just to give you a little bit of background of Emily, um, she's, she was a great guest on the podcast. I actually discovered her on the She Believe podcast, that our dear friend, Caroline Rose Owens. Uh, and I encourage you to check out the She Believe podcast from today because I am on that podcast as well. We interviewed, I was interviewed by Caroline on that podcast to talk about St. Joseph, your St. Joseph, Pope Francis' work um, with St. Joseph. And Caroline just had a great conversation. Uh, conversation about St. Joseph in our lives and our experience with him. And so I want to encourage you to go check that out as well. But Emily and I have a great conversation about the feminine genius on today's podcast, which is one of Emily's specialties, one area of life she's very, very passionate about, something she's very passionate about. And so a little background on Emily. Emily's from Denver, Colorado, and is a 2019 graduate of Benedictine College, where she studied theology, evangelization, catechesis, and political science. She spent her first year postgrad as a missionary with the Culture Project, where she spoke to middle and high school students about the dignity of human life and the richness that comes from living a life of sexual integrity. She loves ministry, especially in the realm of theology of the body and fostering healthy relationships with a special place in her heart for encouraging young women. Uh, And so I want to encourage you, yeah, to just check this out today. I hope that you love it and look forward to to our second conversation, which definitely gets a little bit spicier. And we have have a really good talk about some difficult, uh, just challenging, controversial topics. And so uh, hope you enjoy. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom to go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ to be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life. For all of your life, it's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Seeking Excellence Podcast. My name is Nathan Crankfield. Great to be with you today. I am beyond blessed and excited to have me one of my favorite guests today, Emily Harpole. How are you today, Emily? I'm well. How are you today? Good. Doing great. Doing great. You know, we just had a great breakfast. Got we the did. day started off with mass. Yes. I can't complain. Thrifting. Mm-hmm. Thrifting? Went to a coffee shop. Went to a coffee shop? Yeah, all the good things. What a great little Saturday. Now we're That's podcasting, right. one of my favorite things to do. It's amazing. We're going to play basketball later. That's right. Another one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> amazing. And 
we wanted to do this for so long. So Seriously. thank you for, for taking the time today to, to be with me. You know, I know how much of a chore that is. <laughs> but if you would, Emily, so this is your first time on the podcast. Oh. I know a lot of the Seeking Excellence viewers, our followers and stuff have seen you on different things that we've done together, mm-hmm. events and stuff like that, IG Lives. For uh, You were in the first batch of Holy Happy Hours, which mm-hmm. was great. But still, would you please give a little bit of intro background about your life, who you are? Of course. So I'm originally from Denver, Colorado, grew up Catholic. I've gone to Catholic school my whole life. Um, I was really just involved in my faith when I was growing up. My parents were really great in instilling that in us when we were younger. Um, And then I kind of in high school decided I wanted to study theology and youth ministry. I was really interested in that. And so I was looking at a few schools and decided to go to Benedictine College nice. in Atchison, Kansas. Go Ravens. We are here recording on their campus, in fact. <laughs> That's true. Because worlds just collided. Amen. <laughs> we came full circle there. So spent four years at Benedictine where I studied theology and evangelization catechesis, which is our youth ministry program, um, and just kind of got involved in ministry in different ways there. And I also studied political science, so I was really interested in politics, which we might get into a little bit today. And talking Amen. about our topic, <laughs> It'll be hard which to also Nathan and I just talk about all the time. I all the like time, all the time, we're talking about politics. Um, but I, but I love, I love studying all those things and how they all work together. Um, but after college, I decided to become a missionary with the Culture Project. So I heard about the Culture Project my freshman year, and just fell in love with it and wanted to be a missionary with them. So I spent last year in Cleveland, Ohio, serving on their team there, and was giving talks to middle school and high school students. Lots so, of talks. Lots of talks. I gave, what did I say? 98 talks between October and when COVID hit in March. So, and then a bunch of like live stuff on Facebook and different things uh, during quarantine and right. whatnot. So this is where Nathan discovered me. That's right. I guess. <laughs> through the Facebook lives and stuff in social media but um yeah and so when I finished with discovered the culture me. discovered me you're discovered like me. I'm Eminem like a, I'm Dr. Dre or something <laughs> you discovered you a that I was that a you don't speaker get, and but then he just some people will yeah yeah there you go I don't, I don't get it yeah. <laughs> but um so you were discovered by me I was discovered obviously by changed the trajectory of your life yeah so then it was like when you like signed a contract and all this but yeah it's just seeking excellence but Anyway, so I finished my year at the Culture Project and just um, was kind of feeling called back to this area around Benedictine. And so I came back here and now I work for Sarah Swafford um, in Emotional Virtue Ministries and kind of helping her out there. Um, But yeah, and I also love using social media for kind of reaching out to different people, but specifically women. Um, We're going to get into the topic, of course, but something I'm very passionate about talking about is women and femininity and all those things. Absolutely. You know, and for you mentioned emotional virtue. So for emotional virtue purposes, I don't know if you know this about me, Emily, Yes. but I once fell for a girl after hearing her on a podcast. (laughs) And so I think it's important for others just to know, because some of them might not know, where would you, what would you identify your current relationship status as? (laughs) Okay. I'm dating Nathan. Oh, yeah. Excellent. We haven't like caught up on this whole thing that, yeah, I'm Nathan's girlfriend. I'm surprised you haven't said that yet. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. You know? um, Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So yeah. So I remember hearing you on our beloved friend, Caroline Rose Owens. She believed podcast back in, I think it was Probably. May. Yeah. In Cincinnati. You're I was driving to Cincinnati. That. Yeah. Yeah. So it was fun. And that was one of the things that, yeah, like you said, like you mentioned, I was like, wow, you'd be a great guest on a holy happy hour. And boy, were you, you, me, and another beloved dear friend, Father, Father Jonathan Meyer. 
frequent frequent guest on the podcast uh, <laughs> and president of the board of CTX. So yeah, very exciting stuff. But you're right, absolutely. You know a lot about feminine genius, femininity in general. Um, I personally think you're a great woman. Oh, you thank know, you. yeah, which is good. And so we want to talk about that today. We we'll talk about femininity, the feminine genius, um, and all that important stuff. And so, you know, there's so much to that. And before, definitely before we get into the political, let's talk about more of the spiritual kind of church aspect mm-hmm. of like, who does God say that women are? How did God create women? And what does the, you know, actual way that God created women, like, what does that mean? What does that reflect mm-hmm. in what God had designed them for? Yeah, totally. So when I give this talk, basically when, when Nathan and I are preparing for this podcast, we were kind of talking about a presentation I gave on campus a few weeks ago um, on femininity and the first real, time I got to see you speak live. The first time. Yeah. Yeah. We've been dating for a few months and we've done like online things together, but it was really exciting to speak live in front of you and stuff. And, and then I've heard you a few times since, well, not quite, but we're getting there. Amen. It's fun to see. It's fun to see each other speak, but um, so yeah. So when I was talking about that presentation, I think it's really important to lay the groundwork of this uh, phrase that's kind of thrown around a lot in the church is this idea of the feminine genius Um, So like what it is about women that makes us different. It's like this um, inherent thing within us. And so that phrase comes from John Paul II. He has a few writings on women um, that he did while he was Pope, one encyclical actually, and then one letter to women. So the encyclical is called Mulieris Dignitatem, uh, which is on the dignity and vocation of women, and then a letter to women. And so I love highlighting those things because so much today we, we hear things about like the church oppresses women or the church doesn't res- love women or whatever, but really he spent a long time, you know, writing to women and, and addressing women, even to the point of, I remember some of my guy friends in college would be like annoyed that there wasn't, there wasn't writings on men and that there were writings on women, you know, or they would even just be like, they felt it was unfair. Yeah. They were kind of like, wow, "Wow, there's like more writings on women in the church, even like from their perspective as being raised Catholic and being, and all those different things, which is really interesting to think of how different people um, wouldn't think that like, or people not in the church, or maybe even some people in the church wouldn't think that, but yeah. So he has these um, writings and they're actually all um, inspired by the writings of St. Edith Stein, St. Teresa Benedict of the cross and she was a Jewish philosopher during World War II. And um, she converted to Catholicism, became a nun. But um, during the Holocaust, they still took her to a concentration camp where she died. But she wrote a lot about women. And JP2 was inspired by that, by her writings. And so this idea of the feminine genius, that's just kind of like a background on it there. Because I think we hear this phrase a lot, but we don't know exactly where it comes from. Absolutely. Um, and John Paul II talks about it a lot of just this like inherent ability the woman like women have to see the people in front of them to like recognize the like person I don't mm-hmm. know there's not like it's kind of that simple but it's this recognition of the person and there's a few different like words that people use to describe the feminine genius but I think one of the most important ones is this aspect of receptivity as we as women that we as women are inherently receptive and that's something that you can see like even in your biology but then also in your like spirituality that we have like this ability to see the person right um and i think that this is so important because um like i said i studied political science and um for one of my papers one of my classes that i was in i had to write i I decided to write a paper on feminism and just kind of like researching it and so i decided to google one day what does it mean to be a woman and 
totally looking at the secular view, looking at what Google says, all those different things. And almost every single article that I saw of recent articles about what it means to be a woman, none of them, or well, all of them said that it has nothing, that being a woman has nothing to do with your biology or with your body or anything like that. And I think that's so interesting because that's what our world believes today. That's like what everybody believes today is that you can right. just be whatever you want to be. Your biology means nothing. But that receptivity is something that's very like linked to our biology of women. So if you like even just like think of like in like, you know, like the marital embrace, he's like, he faces up. You know, I, he knew I was going with this too, and I going to make me more uncomfortable, but, Naturally. but this is, I mean, I was chast, I was a chassis speaker, so I'm still my job. This. Yeah, there you go. But um, <laughs> when you think about that, it was like the woman is like receptive of the man, right? So like yeah. the woman, like literally biologically is receptive of the man. And within that we have the capacity, literally the space within our bodies to house life and to house like another human person. Right. So our bodies are made and designed to be receptive of other people. Um, physically, but that manifests also spiritually in like mm. our relationships, our, our ability to see the person or see those around us and different things. And I think that's like the key to the feminine genius that John Paul II talks about is that that receptivity of of recognizing the person in a way that men can't, um, which is all good and beautiful. But too often today, we don't kind of live into that or, right. or recognize that or see it. a lot of people today don't even see that as a good thing that we have the ability to house life. Um, Amen. So yeah. yeah, I hope I touched on enough of the feminine genius there, but yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think that's huge. And so it, it is so interesting. You know, I remember the first time I heard you say that about how women are receptive and um, especially spiritually, you know what I mean? And, and, and just thinking about the, the different approach that women have to social situations, different circumstances. Mm -hmm. It made so much sense, you know, the way that I've seen myself work with women or friends, my mom, you know what mm -hmm. I mean, uh, in dating and just kind of the, the differences that you can kind of see typically naturally that, that occur naturally between men and women. Mm -hmm. um, not always, you know, and there's everything's always kind of, you know, gender is not a spectrum, but there's always a spectrum of, mm -hmm. of like masculine and feminine traits that mm -hmm. everybody has some of each. You know what I mean? Nobody's 100 percent. All the, all the things that are traditionally feminine traits and none of the masculine traits, you know, traditionally masculine traits. Um, but it is really cool to think about that. And so I think it's really interesting, you know, some of the, the natural tendencies to women towards like, uh, you know, creating a home. Like I just remember like my mom and my dad, like my mom would be driven crazy. Now this is part of like, she would say like her OCD <laughs> tendencies or, you know what I mean? Like desire for cleanliness, being a clean freak and stuff. But just, yeah, you know, just thinking about how much when we were kids or like all the jokes you see, like, um, you know, every holiday, like moms be like on Christmas or Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. like they want that when people are coming into the home, like they want to make it presentable. They want to make it nice. They want to make it a place that the children want to come back to that, you know, mm -hmm. dad wants to come to come home to, you know, or even they want to come home to whether they're working or not. You know, like my mom was a working mother. She had several jobs, but still cared so much, you know, and I just remember the, the tons of acts of service she would do for me of like washing my bed sheets and making my mm -hmm. bed or cleaning my room and stuff like that and how much that meant to me and just how much she cared about that. And I see my grandmother do the same stuff and my aunts and, you know, mm -hmm. uh, decorating the house in holiday seasons and stuff like that, you know, yeah. and I think it's really interesting. But I think with you, I also got to see of how you can create that uh, emotionally mm -hmm. or you can create that mentally or spiritually and all these different things. Um, the different ways that that can kind of be lived out that can be played out you know and I remember telling you about that very early on you know when we when we started dating of just like how 
easy it was for me to pursue or for me to, you know, be the man in the relationship, um, you know, or to just be Nathan Crankfield in the relationship because of how I felt like you kind of created this environment where it was very, very easy to do that. It was very easy to pursue. Yeah. And there's so many ways to, to do that, but do you have any like practical ideas or, or things that you feel like you do? I know for me, one of the things that I think you do really well, and that is part of this, um, and I think my mom did really well for me as a kid is, is just like the encouragement, the acceptance, like mm. receiving somebody, embracing somebody in a certain sense, you know, some of the parenting and stuff that I've learned about some of the parenting wisdom, like the mother is there to by and large, like they both do both things, right? Both parents can mm. do both things, but mom is very good at receiving and loving and accepting somebody for who they are. Mm-hmm. And dad is better fit for challenging them, pushing them to where they can be mm-hmm. and what they should be and what they need to be to be ready to take on life in the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think you do a really good job of doing that. Yeah. But is there anything else like that you've thought of or that maybe the the OG Lisa Harpole exactly. <laughs> you learned from her or anything like Mama that? Harpole. Yeah. Um, first of all, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, I, I've, I feel like I've had a, a good amount of time of just trying to enter into that. And um it really started for me my senior year, I would say my senior year, well, even before that, but my senior year, I was living in a house with uh, four other women. And it just became the place where people would come to unwind or just hang out. We would always have like freshmen, sophomores, all these different people. Right. And that's such guys. a good example too. Like yeah. how often do like guys always like open up to their gr- oh female friends as yeah. opposed to their guy friends. And yeah, stuff like that. exactly. Because you know, you'll be received. Right more likely be received for who you are and not as judge and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. And that was like kind of our space or that I just felt that that was a role for a lot of us. Um, that year was just be a space for other people. And so kind of seeing the power behind that my senior year or hearing feedback from people that, that their time spent in our house or with us was so meaningful, you know, um, that I think that really opened me up to just recognizing the power that we have in, you know, inviting other people in or, or recognizing other people. So, um, yeah, my mom's done a great job of that as well. I think that receptivity is that aspect of almost hospitality, that inherent, right. that inherent desire to be, to welcome people in and stuff. Um, and I, and I do think, I think so, so many of those things that you're talking about today, like people would maybe modern the feminists or whatever. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we're going to dive into this, <laughs> but I can't, I can't hold back. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. But, um, you know, a lot of people would see those things as like, you know, doing the laundry or whatnot as like repressive, but the I weakness, see them yeah. yeah, as a weakness or something like that. But I see that there's like great power in that because you have power to kind of guide those around you or to like create a space that people want to come to or like a way to like almost influence them in a way of mm-hmm. of either good or evil you know um in cre- creating that space because you could like create a space and like try to influence somebody negatively as well but like if you want to create a space that somebody's able to come into and like bring them goodness and, and beauty and those things um that's a possibility there so i i feel like there's just like a, an interesting mindset shift today where there's like not recognizing so many of these things as powerful but that they're repressive and and I don't and I I would say that probably has come from years and years and years of being repressed in those roles or different things or maybe those roles seeing as like negative Mm -hmm. um but I don't think that the the I don't think the solution is like getting rid of those roles I think it's recognizing the power in them and like using them well if that makes sense yeah for sure so I guess practically speaking like inviting people over um, or even 
we as women, you know this because you always kind of joke with me about it, but I'm very attentive to like, we were just saying that even like, if he was like zoning out a little bit earlier and I freaked out, I was like, what's like, what's wrong? You know, but like, we like recognize, yeah, yeah. yeah. We have this attentiveness. And I wasn't like, thinking anything. He literally, t- you told me that you had like. It was muted in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sound was off. <laughs> this is the most classic like male, female thing ever. But that's, but that's the point is like women have this like intuitiveness to be able to like recognize if somebody's off or something, you know? Right. And I think for a really long time when I would like see a friend come home. And to care. Yeah. And to care. Yeah. <laughs> Those yeah. are two steps. <laughs> Seriously. And I think a way that I grew in this is like for a long time, I would see people like be upset if it was like my siblings or like even my roommates in college and maybe just turn a blind eye or just like keep going about like keeping myself busy or whatever and like not really think about it but a shift and a huge moment of growth in my femininity was like taking a moment to to pursue in a sense of like ask them what's going on or like really like check in on them because mm-hmm. we have this like inherent I don't know like intuitiveness where we recognize if somebody's off I feel like and I see it a lot of my friends is that that ability to just kind of read people like John Paul II says, to see the person in a different way than than men might see the person. Right. Um, and so I think a way to kind of grow in that aspect of receptivity of, of femininity is to listen to those movements, you know, like listen to those movements of your heart. If you like recognize somebody around you is struggling to listen to it, not let yourself get like bogged down in whatever you're doing, but to kind of go after the person. Um Cause that's what a lot of his writings will say is that women need to be involved in every aspect of society because we have a different ability to see the person Right. that we almost bring the humanity back to politics and business and all those different things. Right. Um, and that's like a great gift that women have to offer the world. Um, so yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And no, I think it's really great. Uh, thank you for sharing all that. So yeah. yeah, I think there's, there's so many things and that's, what's important. I think for people to understand too, is that it's not just saying that, these are obviously typically more, they, they're more commonly strengths of women that mm-hmm. women should push more into, I think, mm-hmm. and start to develop and be more intentional about the way that they use them. And their weakness, they're typically weakness areas of men mm-hmm. that we shouldn't just neglect and say, I don't need to be attentive to people's mm-hmm. needs. I don't need to feel about this. You know what I mean? Like I have to learn how to see somebody and not judge them. I have to mm-hmm. learn how to, uh, you know, or just receive them for who they are. I have to learn how to uh, see a situation and not try to fix it right away, but just be able to listen to somebody else's problems, mm-hmm. you know, and just like think yeah. about those things. And I think that that's the important part is that when you recognize the beauty and the differences of masculinity and femininity, it's not just necessarily to say they're mutually exclusive. Women can never work or leave the home. Mm-hmm. Guys can never have feelings or emotions. Like that doesn't have to be that way. And I think that you're exactly right. Society had this big, you know, pendulum mm-hmm. swing mm-hmm. of where we were super in that, where women were actually oppressed and men legitimately didn't, weren't like, <laughs> it was almost illegal it, yeah. to not have feelings. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, like you had this whole, this huge border and people were like, well, that didn't work. So now it's like, well, let's mm-hmm. make men into women and women into men mm-hmm. and everybody will be the same when the virtue as usual, as we love here at Seeking Excellence, isn't a mean. <laughs> It's in the middle, right? So yeah. it's so important to understand because I mean, it's the same thing, right? Like I was just thinking about this when you were talking about all those things. I was thinking about how much of that I've learned from you or that mm-hmm. you've helped me to grow in. And then I'm like, because we have these like traditional virtues or strikes for each of us that I think are very masculine or feminine, you know? Yeah. And I was thinking about our like our tennis day. We went out to play <laughs> tennis outside and she's like, it's cold outside. And it's like 57 degrees. I'm just like, 
listen, we're exercising it Saturday. Like <laughs> we're playing tennis for a little while. You can stand some 57 degree weather, you know, because there's just there's strengths, I think, on both yeah, sides. Yeah. And the best when you and I operate at our best. And I think when men and women in general as friends and in a relationship, whatever, mm-hmm. is when you can recognize and say, you know what, this like being tough is, is more of a Nathan strength than it is an Emily mm-hmm. strength. You know, like being tough to physical, you know, hardship is more of an eighth strength than assembly strength, which is okay. But it's like, there's times where I have to lead in that. There's times where you're saying, well, how is this person going to feel if you do that? Or how, you know, something mm-hmm. that I did to you or somebody else. And I have to say, well, you know, being attentive and caring about somebody else's emotions is more of an Emily strength than it is a Nathan strength. And I think that that's what's important is for people to be able to take stock of what is the feminine genius. And obviously we're going to have a whole nother thing on masculinity and, and you know some of the strengths in that but it's so important for us to be able to take the time as women to like I said acknowledge and identify what are these areas and especially what are the ones you're strong in mm-hmm. what are the ones that you have that you're not utilizing or whatever and uh vice versa for men to say wow this is where these women in my life are really really mm-hmm. strong and how can I without trying to become a woman, you know, it doesn't make you effeminate to, to start to say, I can be more receptive to people. Mm-hmm. I can be more open. I can be more loving, more kind, more patient. Yeah. You know? Well, that's like the perfection of, the perfection of humanity as a whole isn't necessarily like masculine or feminine. It's, it's mm-hmm. gaining all the virtues right. in a sense. And so that there's virtues that are more, yeah, that men are more inclined to and then there's and, and vices and then there's virtues and vices that women are more inclined to. And I think the beauty in relationship and the beauty in, in just kind of the way, you know, just the family or marriage, anything like that is that you have a way to really learn those things from each other or you have, you have right. the space to really learn those things from each other and then like help each other become more perfect in them. So there's, there's masculine traits that like I should be growing in or that I should be trying to learn or like, you know, stereotypically masculine traits right. that I should be like, yeah, yeah traditionally or yeah. Um, and, and kind of in that way, you kind of become more perfect as a human in, in general, because you're becoming more virtuous and you have to learn those from each other. But I think the breakdown today is when we don't recognize the kind of, or we try to not make there be differences or different things that you can learn from each other. And that's when you just like, don't have any access to learning those virtues at all, because you're not living them out. Right. Like, right. like women need to teach men this receptivity. And so somebody has to be receptive to teach other people to like recognize, right. person, you know, not like reject that. there has to be somebody who's doing it for them to learn how yeah. to do it rather than just like expecting it to happen. You know, Amen. Yeah. like we have to be entering into that ourselves. And so um, it's been really beautiful, like in this journey with you too. And you, you addressing those things is like, this is my first, you know, adult relationship first, like, real relationship in a while Mm -hmm. and um I feel like for a long time I was kind of like learning those things or I was just like kind of taking them in Mm -hmm. and then now applying them in in relationship is like so amazing to think about how I've been like working on that for a while and then you see as soon like the complementarity once it comes in it's just like amazing but it takes like learning that and like really owning your your femininity or your masculinity you know you like you have to really own that first before you can you know, let somebody else in and, and have it go well, I guess. You know Absolutely. What I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting because I think that there's so many ways that that, you know, not to, like I said, not to jump ahead, but the way that w- women rejecting that, mm-hmm. I think, plays out in their lives. And one thing that really comes to mind with me is it's amazing to me because you would think based on the whole, you know, receptivity thing. And I, I 100% agree that, you know, the women in my life are more receptive to people than the men in my life. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it's interesting to me that in the spiritual world, I feel like this happens to both genders, absolutely. But it, I feel like I more commonly hear from women saying that they're bringing their agenda to the Lord in prayer and upset when he's not on board with their plan mm. than men do, mm, which is really yeah. interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that it's part of that. I, and I, I wish, I think there's no way to track the stats on this, but <laughs> I would be willing to wager that, you know, compared to 300, 500 years ago, women in the church today are dealing with that and struggling with that far more sure. than women were, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, centuries ago yeah because i think because of that because they're not trained or they're not mm -hmm. developing the, those virtues that are you know part of receptivity to be more open yeah. to the lord and i think that what do we what do we miss with that you miss like saint Teresa of calcutta like she wouldn't mm -hmm. have been open to the lord's mm -hmm. voice you know and it's not that women aren't open to it that's not what i'm saying by any yeah. means but i i can just think of so many times i've heard women say about how you know god's just like not like how they really struggle with that like yeah. god and their plans like not being the same and it's mm -hmm. really interesting because women are typically you know women in my life are definitely bigger planners than the men in my life mm -hmm. as well but it's interesting to see how you know both of those are kind of motherly traits yeah and kind of feminine traits in my mind but there has to be a balance especially when you approach the lord in prayer mm -hmm. you know well if that's like the great power of women if that's like the secret to the greatness of women too like there's no doubt yeah. that the devil would attack that, especially widespread mm -hmm. in a widespread way, you know? So and we see that it is interesting, time. like how that is. So, you know, it's the thing that is. I'm sure so you've heard it, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe experience it. Experience yeah. it or different things, but, but yeah, there's no way the devil wouldn't attack that. Um, so it's just kind of interesting to think about. And, you know, you and I both have lots of probably examples of different things we've seen or even things I've done or Definitely. whatnot or, or seen in our lives of, of people who kind of, um, yeah, that, that modern day feminism even like sneaks in even to the most like Catholic, you know, pe people who have been raised in the church who are like right. going to mass and everything. things that like, there's those kind of like tendencies of, of not wanting you're still in the society. Yeah, you're still so in the society. It's, it's affecting us so much. Yeah. yeah, there's no way to, um, you know, and it's a balance too, because there's so much goodness. Like I would not, you know, I have so many more kind of rights or different things than women, you know, a couple hundred years ago have or anything like that. Like or very, women in different countries or different today. countries. Yeah, seriously. That's often ignored. Yes, very true. And so it's like, I'm so thankful for that. And I'm thankful for Same. more of a space to like yeah. um, live it out and to influence others and whatnot. But, um, but at the same time, there's just so much goodness in like the, the tradition of who we are and, and whatnot. Amen. Yeah. And just, yeah, just the Christ-like approach to it. And that's what I think is really interesting um, is some, some of the stuff that you said earlier about like service and things like that mm -hmm. that are now considered weak. You know what I'm saying? To to be a stay-at-home mom or yeah. even just to, you know, do somebody's laundry to help out in those ways can be or just in a dating relationship. You know, mm -hmm. we've talked a ton about that. And I know we have we could probably do a third podcast on that and just like how personal examples. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but just like how that impacts, you know, how do you find that balance now? Yeah. Uh yeah. Oh my gosh, so many thoughts. But I think that so many of those traits that are considered, you know, weakness or mm -hmm. um yeah, oppressive and things like that, it, it really just comes down to I think it's Mark 10, 45, one of my favorite scripture verses um, that even the son of man did not come to, serve, uh, to be served, but to serve mm -hmm. and offer his life as a ransom for many. Yeah. Even Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And like all that those virtues are, is they're Christ-like. Mm -hmm. And I should do them for you. You should do them for me. We should do them for other people. Other people should do them for us. You know what I mean? Yeah. In a perfect world, 
like, and that's why I think the world rejects it is the world is rejecting ultimately all the time, Christ, mm -hmm. you know, is rejecting Jesus and the way he mm -hmm. calls us to live. And so we have to always be as Christians, as people pursuing excellence in our lives, be discerning. Is this thing that I'm rejecting? Is this thing I'm pushing back against? You know, is it the world telling me to push back against the Lord or is it the Lord telling me to push back against the world? Because mm -hmm. it's always one of those two things yeah. pretty much, right? Like yeah. it's always either virtue or vice uh, that we're, we're fighting against. And so it's important for us to think about that. But there's so many different aspects of this. And so I want to I want to hit on mm -hmm. some of these questions just because I'm really interested to hear your perspective on this whole, obviously this journey of living out your femininity uh, in a virtuous manner is, is not easy. It's mm -hmm. not easy today by any means. And uh, I'm super excited to talk about the feminism, modern day feminism and the, the impact that that has and all that stuff and mm -hmm. to share our views on that. But before we get to that, how can we as individuals, you know, somebody that's a friend of yours, like how can a friend of yours help you as a woman to, to better live out your life as a woman? A friend, like a, ma a male, male friend. friend? A male yeah, friend. male okay. friend or female friend. I mean, you can answer yeah. both, honestly. Yeah. How can women be better towards each other with that? There's a lot of push for that today, which I think is right. really interesting. The whole, you know, empowered women, empower women. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of, I think, uh, striving or I don't know if it's real and genuine and powerful and, and you know, impactful, but mm -hmm. I see a lot more support and um, just like, this is there's just a lot of popularity i think behind mm -hmm. that right now with yeah. women encouraging each other and stuff like that to the point of extremes which we'll talk about later <laughs> in certain areas uh but anyways yeah <laughs> i would say so a bunch of different thoughts came to mind when you're saying that sure. first of all i kind of uh talked about my senior year even even now or whatever is creating that space for um people to come in and i'd say in masculine friendships i would see how um you know, they, a lot of times they would like encourage us in that and they would talk about or just at least share what it meant to them to have a space, you know, and I remember I remember some of the guy friends would come in and they would just talk about even silly things like lamps or throw pillows that like only girls buy right yeah, <laughs> but they would talk about like what is different about your house and our house and or different things right, right we're all yeah. living in houses senior year and the guys houses were just like you know not well decorated or anything like that we're just like no it's the little details you know it's those little things and like right. guys kind of encouraging us in that of recognizing yeah, so <laughs> that like that is something that creates that hominess and that creates that space where you can just kind of unwind um so i'd say like guys have encouraged me in that in the past of or just addressing it or thanking me when when those things happen and yes for women also to like help with the male friendships in their lives is to invite those people in or like create community sure a lot of times we can create incredible community by just like having people over and having you know even even very casually but just like have people over make a dinner make some meals or just or just have like drinks or something like that and that can create beautiful community um but also just the women in, in respect to women um my kind of greatest example of how i felt like the feminine genius I felt like my friends kind of drew that out of me or I drew that out of my friends was this aspect of um, in college when we started to be really vulnerable with each other, with the, with like our own struggles or things that we were going through. Mm -hmm. And I kind of talk about that in my talks as well of like sharing my own struggle with certain things and um, how, when I started opening up about things or like inviting people into my struggle that allowed them to be like receptive of me. Like it taught them how to receive me and therefore like strengthen their femininity. And then in return, wow. since I created that space of like opening up about something I had been struggling with, 
I would have like another friend like open up to me about something with, that they're struggling with. And then I was able to receive them as well. So among women, I think vulnerability and, and being yeah, open with each other or like asking for help mm. um, is, is like a way to help your friends become more receptive and become more feminine in that sense. If that make, does that make kind of giving them the reps? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're like, it's, it's a beautiful way to draw that out of your friends um, and then in turn, you know, like allow them to draw that out of you and stuff. Um, right. So for me, that was the biggest example for me is like that vulnerability when we really started like digging deep and not just talking about, you know, gossip or like, you know, uh, mm. a lot of times I've, there's some, a phrase that my um, teammates and I would use um, in the culture project where we talk about we didn't ever want to bond over negativity and stuff. Wow. Yeah. We wanted, to, especially the women on the team, like we didn't want to like our like biggest times moments of bonding to be over like complaining about something rather we wanted it to be like diving deep and like being vulnerable with each other. Um, and that created like the more bond, like that, that created more bonding, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think that in feminine relationships is a way that you can kind of draw that femininity out of each other's that vulnerability. Um, because you have to be received after you're vulnerable with somebody, right? Like that creates the space for somebody to receive you too and write that out. So Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> and what do you think about in romantic relationships? How can, how romantic, can men help? How can men help? I would say just being encouraging. Like you're very encouraging in a lot of different ways or like, <laughs> um, you know, just like of when I do certain things of like making sure that it's recognized, like when little things are recognized. Yeah. Um, like, I love doing dishes. Nathan hates doing dishes. That's true. <laughs> so there's many times where I'll come over to his apartment and, and there's like tons of dishes and I just like do them. Like, cause I just, I really just like doing dishes and stuff. It's very appreciated. And, yeah. But I just remember one time you were like, it just like really meant a lot to you. And you like made sure that I knew that it meant a lot to you, you know? Right. And so even like coming into your own space and creating a space as well for it, that's just like a way for you to unwind. I think affirming those things is really important because I think a lot of frustration in women or from what I hear, or you hear like, like just like classic marriage issue stories or whatever is that they feel underappreciated in doing like the little things. So they feel underappreciated in cleaning or like you'll hear moms feel underappreciated in like taking care of the kids while the husband's at work or different things like that. Yeah. I think that if those things aren't recognized or if they're not affirmed, or if they're not thanked or different things that can build up that, frustration some animosity yeah some animosity <laughs> big time you know and not recognizing that the little things are like allowing your family or your household to like flourish right, right yeah and so i think even just like the basic affirmation of that or or th being thankful of it or like really just like addressing that that is like work and that somebody's like putting effort into that i think that that can be really helpful for women in romantic relationships yeah um it helps kind of like remove the temptation to keep score yeah. Especially when you're both striving to seek out those opportunities of yeah. how can I serve the other person? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Totally. I think that's so important, you know, and I think about like uh, two things that came to mind when you talked about that. Mm -hmm. Well, three, one, I love okay. when you wash your dishes. Uh, <laughs> I just want to affirm that again. He's currently staring at his While we're here. Clean. Yeah, all my clean dishes over there. <laughs> very, very, very into that. Uh, but number two, it's just like thinking about like, when I'm mature, when I'm mature guys' apartment, sometimes yeah. 
um, like taking out the trash or oh, doing yeah, the things that you guys that. might not want to do. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And just like seeing an opportunity that like, I don't mind doing this at all. And I know yeah. that you don't want to do it. Yeah. You know, pile up. They yeah. Stand there. <laughs> and that's the gift. And that's exactly, those are like chore versions of what we're talking about with virtues yeah. of being like, this person's not as good at this, or this person doesn't like doing this, mm -hmm. but I don't mind it. You know, like it's a strength of mine. Like I don't mind carrying heavy trash or moving things for you or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, much rather do that than to wash the dishes, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> much rather put my hands in trash for some reason than wash <laughs> like clean, clean dishes. dishes. Yeah. I guess that says something about me, but um, I think that's so important, you know what I mean? To kind yeah. of recognize that and pursue those opportunities. Yeah. And the other thing I think is, uh, is key is that, like I'm not off playing Xbox while you wash the dishes either. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And yeah. I think that that's the important thing too, that a lot of guys fail the women in their lives because they they expect to be able to screw off mm -hmm. when the woman still has to that's work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like dad comes home from work. If there's a stay at home mom situation and it's just like, well, he's off now for the rest of the day. Yeah. And mom still has to keep working her job, you yeah. know, like through the exactly. rest of the night until the kids are in bed. Yeah. That's where I feel like the frustration comes in for people is yeah. when it's like, or if mom comes home from work, they both worked, yeah. you know, and then like, it's like, oh, mom has to do everything. And yeah. it's while dad just like watches TV, like that kind of stuff. And yeah. that happens in even dating relationships. Mm -hmm. It's not even just, and we talk about that, you know, happening both ways, kind of like mm -hmm. we referenced earlier in some of our thoughts of that is that it can't, it can't be either way where, you know, one side gets to win out all the time. Like yeah. some, like both sides have to sacrifice, both sides have to, you know, put up, you know, mm -hmm. put up the work and, and try hard and. Uh, put in some effort in the relationship and that can look different in different ways yeah but it can't be anybody just doing nothing yeah or just screwing off while somebody else has to work hard and clean up your mess totally. and there's women who are caught in relationships like that where mm -hmm. they're doing that oh yeah which is sad yeah. and there's guys who do that um and either way it's not good and i think we all have to like not constantly take stock of our relationship in that you don't want to get to the point of keeping score but if you feel the temptation to start keeping score it's probably because the score is lopsided yeah either it's because you're an a-hole or it's because the scores are lopsided. You know what I mean? Like either you're very entitled and you know what I mean? Like you yeah. just keep a score because you want to and you're just like not in a good spot emotionally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or it's because it's probably really lopsided. Those are like, right. I mean, to me, that's the only two options. I think when you really feel yeah. the need to constantly be like, I'm doing this, 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 and this all the time or vice versa. Yeah. Well, we, we yeah. even went in a, on like a journey with that as well. Absolutely. Just like, we like talked about that a lot at the beginning of our relationship and um, and it's important. It's something it's really to be intentional to be about. Intentional about, yeah. Because you don't want to just float your way into that. Yeah, exactly. Because sometimes people have different perspectives. Yeah, it's true. Don't they? Especially men and women. Amen, girl. <laughs> you know, and so you, you kind of have to talk about those things. You have to talk about like express that like I feel like I'm providing, and especially a man might might feel like they're providing more, and that the their efforts to provide aren't being respected or or recognized, and like a woman might feel like her efforts to like keep everything afloat or whatever you know yeah and in like in the little tangible ways isn't recognized and so really making sure that each person is affirmed in that i think is, is really important right and everybody's kind of hitting like where they feel like things are good and, and fair and fruitful mm -hmm. and productive you know what i mean because yeah. you want to make a good team and in a good team people play different roles not everybody plays yeah. the same position mm -hmm. but yeah it's just so important to kind of be intentional about figuring out like who does what how are we going to get this you know how are we going to do this together how mm -hmm. are we going to date how are we going to be in a relationship how are we going to live out our marriage or whatever phase people are at uh it's so important to, to really be intentional about that and yeah. obviously you want to be careful and be emotionally virtuous in the way that you do that you don't need to mm -hmm. discuss how you're going to live out your marriage on the second date but it is important <laughs> actually, you know don't do that. i think once you're actually dating so yeah <laughs> definitely actually, don't do actually that. yeah do not <laughs> write that down um 
but I think that it's important once you are officially dating somebody to have that conversation right. of like, how are we going to pay for things? How are we going to, you know, mm-hmm. chores? Like if we make dinner together, like who, yeah, like being, you know, intentional about who washes the dishes or who does this or that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the Especially same person Especially when you're older time. too. Like, yeah. yeah. I think adult. that was a, that was something in this relationship because it's my first like adult relationship. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, these are like conversations that I have not had before that I'm, that now I see the the beauty in and stuff. And yeah. I don't think a lot of them were necessary when I was like in college or high school, or obviously even, but, but yeah, it is good to communicate those things. That's what people always talk about. Like communication is the best thing in relationships because you have to be able to like, you talk know, about, talk that. about those things or feel like you were feeling like there was a time at the beginning where you were feeling underappreciated and in, in right. your aspects of that, or, um, you know, and, and once I started recognizing that, or once you voiced that, I was able to, create the space better or like really right. turn into that better and it would have been easy to not yeah exactly have not done that because yeah. it's a hard conversation to have yeah you know and totally. yeah it's so easy to do that and just go kind of go on and just build this animosity and just keep this list in my head of all the things yeah. that i'm doing that you're not doing and i'm like i recognize i was starting to do that yeah. you know what i mean and i was like it's one of these two options <laughs> <laughs> you know and the only way for me to figure out which one it is is to talk about it with you right. and risk you know it being the one that i'm just being a turd but um <laughs> no. Yeah, no, it's important to kind of talk about. And, and I think it was a combination of the two, yeah. for sure, you know, but, um, and yeah, and, and vice versa, like, there's going to mm-hmm. be times and where, you know, you've come to me or you will come to me and, uh, yeah, just have something that's on your mind and you, you raise those concerns, you know, mm-hmm. but you said that from the beginning and I think the better, you know, now we're just talking about relationship stuff, but <laughs> it's so important to just be able to voice it when the frustration comes up, when the issue comes yeah. up. And this happens with friends as well. Yeah, oh, you for know, sure. All kinds of relationships, mm-hmm. male to male friendships, female to female friendships, right. male to female friendships. Like there's an issue, there's a problem, there's uncertainty mm-hmm. of where the relationship stands, whatever it might be. I just talk about it. Yeah. When you have the issue, talk about it. I don't know how we went from feminine genius to communication. Communication but on relationships. Praise God. Hey, but it all works together. It's like how you help each other become better. Amen. Like you bringing up that conversation helped me become a better woman in this relationship. that's it that is it oh man that's so good so uh last question i want to ask you with this one is how do you feel like women can live out the feminine genius in the church i think one of the common issues or common complaints you hear especially of uh coming from the feminist kind of circles or um, especially from the world, look, oh man, some of the most difficult conversations you can have about the church or people outside the church, mm-hmm. looking into the church, telling you everything that's wrong with the church. Mm-hmm. That's tough. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's like trying to be a pilot or you're like, you're a pilot yeah, school yeah. or something like that. You know what I mean? The people that have never been inside a plane are telling you how like, yeah. all the problems with the plane. And it's like, dude, you don't know how to fly. <laughs> you don't know anything about the history of flying that, you know, the mechanics of it, nothing, uh, physics, you know, anything. It's amazing though. And people are happy to offer their opinion, typically, yeah. especially when it's negative. But anyways, all that to say that a lot of times those people will say women are repressed or why can't women be priests? Yeah. Or why can't priests mm-hmm. get married? All this different thing. So what is your like, what is your perspective or your opinion on some of the, you know, women ordinations or <laughs> like what women should be able to do and how women are, you know, quote unquote, oppressed in right. the church? Um, yeah, I have like so many thoughts running through my mind right now I naturally i'm trying to yeah naturally i'm a woman <laughs> <laughs> i can't think i'm trying to think of how to organize all of them mine's pretty clear yeah my head's pretty clear i'm just waiting i'm so happy <laughs> so happy for you um okay the first thing that kind of when when i when i hear this question brought up or when people 
when people talk about this. I think it's really important to recognize that a lot of people today aren't well catechized on just like theology in general or just like like even just the overarching themes in our church it's a great point right like that we're not well catechized on that um but maybe many of us have heard the phrase like oh mother church or like that the church is a mother or different things like that just referred to as she she's yeah. referred to she yeah in in any theology or in anything like that the church is referred to as she and it's like we the church is female the bride of christ the bride yeah. of christ you hear all these you hear all these things and i think it's really important to hone in on those things because like the church must hold woman at such high esteem because she is a woman right like the church is woman and why is she woman because she's receptive to god and that goes all the way even down to like the eucharist that like god becomes you know man and we receive the eucharist right. on the altar and like that's like that like relationship there's this like receptivity of god um so the church like in her being is is feminine and i think that's so amazing because like we as women teach people like we, women in our receptivity are meant to teach men how to like be a part of the church in a sense right like like any prayer right. is being receptive of god so men must learn receptivity through like those who are more inclined to receptivity, which is women, right? Sure. Or like women need to like learn that from each other or whatnot or enter into their own natural tendencies to that. And so I think, like I said it again and again and again, the church holds women at, at such high esteem because like we are like the, like our natural tendencies for that are the example for the world and for those in the church of how to like be receptive of others and how to be ultimately receptive of Christ, mm -hmm. right? And so- I think that's important to note is that like literally in Catholic theology, a church is woman. And then even, you know, like put on top of that, like who do we hold in the highest esteem of all human beings? The goat. The goat. Our lady. BVM. <laughs> yeah, BVM. <laughs> yes. The blessed a Virgin woman, Mary. Literally a woman, right? Is who. I love her. Yeah, I love her too. <laughs> she is like the one who God, like through a, a woman's receptivity, <laughs> Nathan's looking at his tattoo now of, oh, of Our Lady. Yeah. Um, through the receptivity of a woman, through the yes of a woman, um, like salvation became possible for all men, right? Like, right. like, like the incarnation literally came through the receptivity yeah. of a woman. And this is also important. I didn't note this before, but like um, a lot of times receptivity might have this like passive connotation to it, but it's actually like what we're called to is this active receptivity receptivity where you're like acting as well it's not like you're just like letting anything happen to you but you're mm. like creating the space you're creating these things you're being actively receptive and that's what mary is right she had to like be active she had to say yes it wasn't like the holy spirit just like came and she was pregnant with jesus right it was like she had to participate in that and say yes and so that's that's another right. thing it's like powerful it's not just like completely passive um so yeah so i think that's something that we really need to focus on is that like we hold women in such a high esteem in the church in being the church as a woman and Mary as a woman. Right. And we talk about all those different things. Um, but I think practically speaking today and in looking at all these different, like and so many saints and so many saints, like all these different things, but looking at like so much confusion today um, and wondering what all these different things are. This is really funny. Cause when you, I wasn't thinking about this earlier when we were prepping this, but this popped into my head. So I have to share it. Send it. Right. But I was in, when I was a senior in high school, I went on a mission trip to Belize and our flights got all like mixed up. I don't think I've ever told you this story either, but flights got all mixed up 
And we were all supposed to be sitting together, but we ended up flying out the next day and it was just like a whole mess. And I was randomly sitting next to a pastor. I don't know what denomination he was. And he and his wife were like going down on vacation to Belize. So they were going to like mm. a very different city than when we were going. And different sure. things. But he was such a nice man. And we talked the whole time. And at that point, I knew I wanted to study theology and I knew I was going to go to like Catholic school. And I'm like really big on, Nathan knows this, but I love like plain evangelization. I like talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I have lots of stories of just like talking to people, like chatting up the person sitting next to me and then obviously somehow getting into faith usually. But um the so we started talking and I shared that I wanted to study theology and he had no idea that that was possible in the Catholic faith like he was so far in the way of of not thinking that women had any role in the church like he had been taught that women didn't have role in the Catholic church right. for so long that he couldn't believe that I was like able to study theology or even teach theology he didn't know that there were like female religion teachers yeah he didn't know any of this stuff right. because for yeah. so long he had been told From centuries ago and i was yeah. just telling him, i was like no i like would love to be like a he was he didn't just had no idea that women could do that yeah and so i think practically speaking within that that almost like fueled a fire in me to want to be more active in the faith and to be involved in the church so that people knew that there were women involved in the church if that makes sense sure and I think, I mean, there's a lot of women, a lot of women run parishes, a lot of women run, like do all the As background a parish stuff. Consultant, I'm very familiar, <laughs> yeah. 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 Like there's a lot of women doing those things. Probably but I don't half think... of my chairs of my teams were women. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I don't think people know that. Like, I think it needs to be talked about more is like how women do have a role in the church. Right. Um, that the priesthood is not the, I mean, obviously it is like the top or it's like they have the most like ability to serve others because they are like, give, you know, anointed and they have, they can yeah. give the sacraments and whatnot but that there's so many other people behind the priest as well. And a lot of times those are women and like a lot of our parishes or our schools or different things would fall apart if there were no women involved and that they are involved and they are like having these big roles and stuff. And so I would challenge that in a lot of people, because I think a lot of people who say those things don't are kind of like the guy on the plane who had no idea that it was even possible or done. How much women can do. Yeah. yeah. Or even in my theology classes, like most of my theology classes in college were women. Like I would say majority of the people in my classes were women. Right. Um, and I just don't think that people know that. So I think it's important to speak about those things. I think it's important to be It's another pendulum that's actually swinging almost yeah. too far in the other which direction. Is which is true. A lot of men yeah. In the church. Which is a bummer as well. Cause it's like, yeah. Um, it's such a it's weird like, it's like a weird dichotomy now yeah. to think about that which i yeah. never really put you know put my finger on before but to think about that churches are mostly filled with women but yeah. we also have this push to make them more feminine yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. to like ordain exactly. women and all this stuff that like is just gonna make it more feminine and it's just gonna be women right. dominated i often tell people that uh you know <laughs> when i've gone to churches i get asked all the time or especially during my my year as a parish consultant i feel like people ask all the time like how can we get the men back? How can we bring yeah. the young people? They always want to ask me as a young man, how can we bring the young people and how can we bring the men back? Okay. And it's so interesting to think about, I'll go to mass sometimes at these churches and it's like, you have the priest and then there'd be like all female readers, mm -hmm. female altar servers, mm -hmm. female, um, you know, ushers, like everything. I'm just like, everything is a woman. Like I'm like, what yeah. guy would come here and want to be involved or want to be, mm -hmm. you know, a part of this? Because yeah. I think sometimes people overestimate the fact or overestimate the impact that seeing a priest be a man has on a layman, because mm, mm. especially once you're married, like yeah. you can't be a priest anymore. Like right. that's not in your card. So like right. the priest being set apart, which is like 
Jesus's wish, <laughs> you know, does not make the man feel any more empowered than yeah. anything else. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Then like, I feel like there's this, this misconception that if women were able to be ordained and like still not be able to get married or anything, they're right. like somehow like women are going to feel so elevated in the church. Yeah. It's like, you don't priests are priests. Like they're yeah. separate. They're literally yeah. different. It's a whole different capital V vocation. Yeah. It's not going to say it's right. not going to really impact you that big of a way. I can tell you yeah. as a man that it doesn't make that much of a difference because priests are a whole, it's a whole different way of living. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a whole different vocation. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have so much to say. Yeah. There's a lot, <laughs> there, there's a lot to that. Well, I was just like kind of with that, there's a book that I use a lot. I used a lot in theology. Um, it was called like the authority of women in the Catholic church with a lady who has a really long name and it's, it all starts with M. So if you look it up, like her last, her M. whole name Shyamalan. is like, I think it's like M. It's like Marie something, Miller something, not Marie Miller. But anyways. It's a lot of alliteration. Yeah, it was just a lot of M's in her name. <laughs> but <laughs> Marie Margaret Miller. Yeah, something like that. I think it's like Mingley Anyways, people are going to be so confused when they're like, just look it up. Authority of, the Catholic, of Women in the Catholic Church. It's Amen. kind of more theological, but she does talk about that at one point where she talks about titles and like, what is a title almost like that a lot of times like people think that power only comes in titles right like father bishop those kind of things right rather than just like having the like daily ordinary authority over over yeah and you recognize that when you look at the saints and you're like these people had so much more influence and they totally especially the the ones who weren't priests yeah and you're like mother Teresa was literally like yeah the third most influential person in the world when she was alive you know what i mean yeah and she wasn't a priest like she wasn't you know she was a woman she was able to live into that and and why she had more power was because she entered into that vocation she was mad holy and she was mad holy yeah but she becomes holy very close to the blessed mother true (laughs) <laughs> all women <laughs> but she was holy because she entered into that right and yeah. she like accepted her role and she accepted and that. because she prayed for like two hours a day true all that which always helps which is receptive it which is, is a feminine <laughs> so it all just goes back to that you know Amen. but Shout um, to father Meyer, two holy hours a day yeah there you go <laughs> but I'm yeah there's just there like yet. so much there of like yeah in the church or I've, I've never really felt repressed in the church and i think that practically there's ways that we can address that from a young age as well of like, for example, at my parish, um, St. Mary's in Littleton, Colorado, the best parish literally ever. I love it so much. <laughs> One of the best parishes. Father Myers is really great. <laughs> it is. Father Myers all is probably Saints the best is popping. <laughs> all Saints is popping. All Saints is I love definitely going popping. All Saints. But, um, St. Cecilia is out in Cincy. Yeah. St. Mary's in Another Littleton. Star. One thing that I love about what they do is that at one point they decided to stop having female altar servers um but instead of not instead of just like breaking it there they created another group for women to be involved for the young women in the church to be involved in so the young women in the church are like these sacristans or they like help prepare the mass so they help create the space right they create the environment and they have their own times of like getting together whatnot but then the the men are the or the boys are the altar servers because they're learning how to be like a priest or they're discerning their vocation right That's what you get to altar server was made for exactly so, you know i just thought that was interesting too because i think that's important where again where a lot of frustration can happen or a lot of different things can happen is when we don't create like an alternative or something or we don't honor like the natural tendencies of the woman too right so like i think a lot of tension would have been there if they had just not created something for the women to be involved in yeah but instead they're teaching them from a young age to be involved and to be entering into that feminine which is awesome yeah and the great thing about this is and this is what's kind of counterintuitive 
intuitive to culture mm-hmm. is like all the stats on the happiness of women mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. I mean or how joyful or fulfilled they are in their marriage and their lives when yeah. they embrace the church's teaching yeah. and live this way and so people can either think because I think a lot of people would say well Emily you know in the world would say like well you're just brainwashed or you hate women or you mm-hmm. hate yourself and mm-hmm. all that stuff you know and we're going to really dive into that in the next one when we talk about <laughs> feminism but um it's so interesting that like when you look at any of those stats when yeah. people you know whether you look back 100 years you know or you look now and you mm-hmm. look at bake it down but demographically like women are happier when they embrace that yeah and so it doesn't I, I remember I heard a story once at a conference of a woman who fell away and left the catholic church because she wasn't able to be an altar server as mm-hmm. a girl mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. and like for you know women's empowerment feminism yeah. was just like that's not right without ever looking into the answers of why can't I be an altar server well, because altar servers were created so that boys, you know, young men could discern and, and, right. and really, you know, figure out, like, witness the priesthood up close and personal. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, why can't women be ordained? Well, we have answers to that as well. And this is why, you know, because they're standing in persona Christi. They're literally becoming the person of Christ. And in- a woman can't be that. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or even, like, somebody once said on a retreat one time, they were like, the priest, like, in a sense, marries the church. Right. In theology, the church is woman. Is a woman. Right. So like the, that, a that woman can't marry a woman in the Catholic right. church. <laughs> right. Yeah, like that wouldn't even like, there's basically. so many issues. And, and right. the, the person, this person who I'm talking about, I know they wouldn't agree with that. Right. Exactly. You know that's what I'm the saying? Thing. It's just they're like so Christian. Spiral. So they don't believe in same sex marriage, yeah. but then it's like, yeah, that's the, what all this, this, you know, some of this is symbolic, but some of this is important. Some of it matters, right. you know? Right. And so it's just so, it's so critical, you know what I mean? To understand those things. But this is just, you know, I think a small example of many issues that people bring up with the church, many challenges that on their face, I would agree at a younger age to somebody say, why can't a girl be an altar server? I'd be like, I don't know. Why can't they? That doesn't yeah, make any sense. Yeah. Like they should be allowed to do it just like guys can. I never thought until later, until I heard people question it, And I said, well, why can't they? Yeah. And I started to learn more and that you push in exactly. and you give the church the benefit of the doubt and you start to learn these things. Then you can start to really understand yeah. and be like, wow, okay. There are answers for this. It's not just bigotry yeah. and hatred exactly. and oppression. There's yeah. reasons for this. And that's like, I mean, that's the guy in the airplane. He probably just had heard that for so long. Right. Never really looked into it. And then this absurd belief. Yeah. And then you know all of a sudden mean? I'm sitting next to him and I'm a young, I'm a high school woman saying that I want to study Catholic theology. And he like, didn't even know that that was possible. Either. Right. And so I've always like wondered what he went from there, like what his, his thoughts were on the church from there. Cause, right. Um, Cause he obviously had this huge, right. really wrong. Yeah. <laughs> perception. Because, yeah. Of the church. Notion. So yeah, that's why I think it's important to talk about it. And that's why I think it's important to like boldly talk about it and share um, the role of women in the church. And there is a beauty to women in the church. And yeah. Yes, there is. Thank you for boldly talking about it here today. <laughs> of course, I could keep going on. Emily, <laughs> it's great. No, and we will have more time to go on and on. Indeed. So thank you so much for your time today. It's great doing this first Seeking Excellence podcast I love it. for you. Ah, what a gift. So thanks for coming out today. Thank you.